Are you ready to witness greatness? College fans, welcome to the biggest tailgate party in the nation. Different day, same recipe. Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Presented by BetMGM. The king of sportsbooks. We're setting you up with the information you need to watch your team win. Let's go! We're here to break it all down. Let's go, let's go. This is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Presented by BetMGM. Now, we're live from your tailgate. Here's Brian No. Hey, everybody, welcome in. Let's talk some ball over here. We'll talk some college football with Jared Smith from PicksWise.com. Also some NFL action with Bill Krakenberger from CrackWins.com. New users, download the BetMGM app today and use code COUNTDOWN for a special offer. That's code COUNTDOWN in the BetMGM app. I'm Brian No. Let's welcome in Jared Smith from PicksWise.com previewing some of the bigger games this week in college football. And a simple question, Jared, are your Nittany Lions going to show up? Because the last time we saw them in a big game, they got whooped by Michigan. They do play Ohio State tough, typically. So the Nittany Lions getting 15 and a half at home against Ohio State in the high-powered C.J. Stroud offense. What do you see in this one, bud? Yeah, and you know the games between these two teams, while Ohio State's won them, outright the against the number against the spread record certainly favors Penn State James Franklin six and two against the spread and only one of those eight games was played outside this scoring margin of 15 and a half 16 that being said I you know it, there's a saying in gambling and you, you might have heard this before I'm sure you have if the, if the total's high it's high for a reason right if the spread's big it's big for a reason and I think when you look at these two teams I am very concerned because it's a strength for Ohio State, their offense, against what I would say has been a a weakness for Penn State this year. And we saw what happened. You mentioned it when they managed up, when they moved up in class. They faced a Michigan offense that, you know, maybe a little bit different construction than this Ohio State offense, but the weapons, the offensive line, the scheme, it was polished. You know, they ran the ball effectively. J.J. McCarthy did what he needed to do on the edge, and it, it was a blowout. 54% success rate on their plays. There did, the Penn State defense did not force a three and out in that game against Michigan. And I'll be honest, I watched every snap mm-hmm. of that game. It probably should have been a much wider margin than it was, and Penn State lost by four scores. And they were fortunate to be in that game. So not great when you see what Penn State's defense able to accomplish when they move up in class. The rest of the offenses they face this year have been really poor. Now on the other side of the ball, can Penn State hang in the game offensively? Is the back door going to be open? That's you know typically how these big spreads get covered. Well, Jim Knowles, I think, has been the best hire of the offseason for anybody. The defensive coordinator of Ohio State comes over from Oklahoma State. This Buckeyes defense allowing 133 yards per game less than last year. I mean, that is a massive improvement with a ton of talent on this Ohio State defense, but the scheme wasn't quite there. Now, I will say this, the schedule of offenses that Ohio State has faced, also poor. You think about the Big Ten, not a whole lot of world-beater offenses there. The non-conference schedule, Notre Dame, some MAC teams. So again, we don't really know how good Ohio State is, but I will say this, I would put Penn State on the same level as Michigan State's offense. 
and Ohio State played Michigan State on the road a few weeks ago, and they were fantastic in that game. They only gave up one true touchdown. They gave up 20 points in the game. One was a defensive score. The other touchdown was late in garbage time. So for 54 minutes of that game, the Ohio State defense only gave up seven points. And they forced a three and out on 55% of possession. So I think the Ohio State defense really controlling tempo here. And I, I'm very concerned with Penn State's defense holding up here. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's sobering to say, I put this Nittany Lions offense up on par with Michigan State's offense. I don't want to be on par with Michigan State's anything this year. You know what I mean? <laughs> they are not a good football team. But I also think what you said about the backdoor cover, 15 and a half points that Penn State is catching here. Think about this. If they're down 22, the backdoor cover is still open. You know, the thing is, they've played them so tough that they they might keep it within that that uh, point difference to have a chance to cover late. It's just one of these things. I still have nightmares about Penn State against Michigan. Michigan is much more one-dimensional offensively than Ohio State is. Blake Corum is magnificent. J.J. McCarthy is not. So now when you face C.J. Stroud, you jump up from J.J. McCarthy to C.J. Stroud. That is a mammoth. That's a quantum leap up in quarterback quality. So I want to see Penn State at home. That's a big difference than on the road against Michigan. But I want to see if they can hang and uh, play better defense. Maybe this is a pride spot also because they know they got worked against the Wolverines. So obviously the last thing they want to do is get worked by Ohio State as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have to remove a little emotion here. It's actually funny. I was at the game in 2018, I believe, when Saquon Barkley returned the opening kick for a touchdown. It was uh, in Columbus, and, you know, Penn State had a big lead in that game, and they just couldn't quite get over the hump. They've been very close to Ohio State at times. And, of course, they beat him in 2016 thanks to a blocked field goal that returned for a touchdown. So maybe one of those fluke special teams plays keeps Penn State in the game. But if you just line up 11-on-11, 11 11, Penn State's offense, Ohio State's defense, and then flip the, flip the units, you know, Penn State defense against Ohio State offense, I, I just don't see there being a lot of matchup advantages for Penn State in this game. The Ohio State offense w- is better and the Penn State defense is really struggling. And then you flip it on the other side, the Penn State offensive line, especially struggling to get movement, and the Ohio State defense is significantly better than last year. So where's the edge for Penn State to kind of carve out some of that space in this game? I don't see it. Now, again, things can happen, turnovers, flukes, special teams, but I think 11-on-11 straight up, you know, Ohio State light years ahead, and you're seeing the line reflect that. By the way, did Penn State actually block that kick, or did it hit? The sky cam wire, just like the Mac Jones interception. Is that what I'm not what sure there? the Mac Jones pick hit the sky cam. <laughs> I think there's I think it's an, one of those optical illusions, right? <laughs> it might be like when yeah, I only maybe, eat three yeah. hot dogs during my dinner, but it, it feels like four because of how it looks coming out. I don't know. You know, there's optical <laughs> illusions all around us, Brian. We have to be careful with those. Yeah, that might have been the case there. I don't know. Some cutting and splicing. They could get a little uh, <laughs> little creative with the way they, they piece that together. But anyway, let's move to another game. Ranked versus ranked. Number 19, Kentucky, against number three, Tennessee. Tennessee, a 12-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Wildcats. And I would buckle up for points. The total is 62-and-a-half. Tennessee leads the country in scoring offense. 50 points per game. And when they played last year, 
1,073 yards combined. Oh, so wow. a ton of yards last season, and I could see a shootout this season as well. What do you think about this, Jared? Yeah, Kentucky off the bye. Of course, Tennessee, sadly, they um, barely got across the finish line against UT Martin in terms of the point spread last week. We know because we were that was the Seamus special, the UT Martin Skyhawks against Tennessee last week. I mean, listen, I think – uh, that was basically a bye week for Tennessee, and you know Kentucky actually off the bye week. I, I think the most fascinating part of this game is schematically for Kentucky. They are known as a ground and pound, I want to run the football and establish the line of scrimmage type of team, but they haven't done it very well this year. Chris Rodriguez returning the last couple weeks has helped. But the offensive line is still outside the top 65 in line yards created, opportunity rate, stuff rate, all those metrics that you know create a power running offense. They're also outside the top 100 in rushing efficiency. So they are their identity is a running football team, but they don't do it very well. Meanwhile, Tennessee's strength on defense is stopping the run, and they're terrible against the pass. They're actually one of the worst teams. You know, you saw Bryce Young last week with limited weapons just uh, or two weeks ago, excuse me, just absolutely slice and dice this Tennessee secondary. So does Rick Scangarello, the offensive coordinator for Kentucky, does he mm-hmm. go against tendency here? Does he say, hey, listen, everyone's expecting yeah. we're going to run the ball. Let's pass it early to set up the run. Well, if that's the case, I could see Kentucky's offense having a lot of success here. And to me, we've talked about Will Levis at some point during the last month or so, being the draft pick that everyone hopes, the prince that was promised in this NFL draft, is he going to be the first quarterback selected? There is some skepticism there. Well, this is an opportunity to silence the critics. You're on the road against the top 10 team, and you are expected to just ground and pound the ball into the line of scrimmage 100 times. Well, if Will Levis says, no, this is my game, I could absolutely see Kentucky hanging around here, covering the spread. It's a double-digit spread. But I'm a little bit concerned about his overall efficiency. Now, he's been great against the Blitz this year. We know that Ball's defensive coordinator, Tim Banks, likes to bring the heat. But I just, I'm not sure if the matchup favors him because I don't think Kentucky's got the weapons really to push the ball down the field. Now, they could get very aggressive in that nature. And if they do, I think they'll hang around. We all know Hendon Hooker on the other side is fantastic. Cedric Tillman might return this week. Jalen Hyatt's, you know, even without Tillman, the Vols have a million weapons. Hyatt's one of the best receivers in the country. You put Tillman back with Hyatt, and you've got yourself a real problem there in the secondary. So, yeah, points could certainly be um, a part of this handicap if Kentucky breaks tendencies and decides to pass to set up the run. No, I hear you on that. You know what it reminds me of? Do you remember when Jimmy Johnson was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins? And they, he was just like, we got to run it. We got to run the ball. We got to run the ball. And that's fine. They just couldn't do it very well. <laughs> and then yeah. at the end of the game, it was like, Dan Marino, please try to go win it for us. I know it's dated, but it just reminded me of what you're talking about with Kentucky. It's one thing to have the philosophy and the mindset and the approach of running the football, but you got to run it effectively. And if you aren't, it's time for plan B, baby. And you laid it out perfectly. If there's ever a spot to lean on a draft pick that might be a first rounder in Will Levis, if not, he's going to be round two. He's he's a hot prospect. This is the time for him to dice up a, a poor secondary. So I'm curious if that's what they'll do and that's what their approach will be. That's the whole crux. So that's the game within the game here. If Kentucky just wants Chris Rodriguez to be the tone setter, I think they're going to struggle. 
Because let's be honest, last year they tried to do the exact same thing against the really good – I mean, it's basically the same Tennessee offense they faced last year. But last year they lost the game, and it was at home. And they tried to do the exact same strategy, shorten the game, give the ball to Rodriguez, pound the clock. We've got this great offensive line. Their offensive line was better last year than it was this year, and their metrics running the ball were much better last year than this year. So if it didn't work last year, I think it would be foolish for Mark Stoops to – employ that strategy again. Now, to be honest with you, it might not matter if they can't get pressure on Hendon Hooker and if he does what he did against Alabama, because let's be honest, I don't care how good Will Levis is, you're not going to replicate the kind of offensive output that Alabama did a couple weeks ago on Rocky Top. That was just one of those master class performances by a quarterback that I think is a top five pick, or at least in that vicinity. I don't know if Will Levis is that guy. He's going to have a chance to have his NFL moment this Saturday, though, that's for sure. You know, I wanted to give you a cross-country hug this morning here, Jared, as we record this. So I'm in Tampa, Florida for the Thursday night game, going to see the Ravens in Tampa Bay. And before this podcast, I don't know if this is an accurate description, but in my mind, you stood on the table and you were like, I want to talk some Notre Dame fighting Irish football here. (laughs) I want to talk specifically about the Golden Domers against Syracuse as Syracuse is a a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. Why were you so passionate? And this might be just my mind uh, manufacturing this, where it didn't exactly take place, but uh, why Notre Dame-Syracuse? Why is this game so hot on your radar here? Well, I think this is, from a sharp square perspective, this game is giving me all the feels. So you would expect, right? Like, you, you know, and again, I have a friend who works, you know, for one of the networks here in town, Tim Murray. He likes to call lines stinky. Certain yeah. lines stink. And uh-huh. we've talked about it before. It's kind of when one team you would expect to be the favorite, but the other line, you know, the line opens as the other, you know, the other side. And, you know, the line movement's kind of working in a weird direction. Well, this line actually, Notre Dame actually opened as a favorite in this game. And, Think about Syracuse and how well they've played and Notre Dame. Let's be honest, it's been underwhelming at times, mm-hmm. especially with this game being in Syracuse at, you know, whatever name they're calling the Dome these days. <laughs> yeah. I, I think everyone expected Syracuse to be the favorite. Notre Dame opened as a favorite. Well, quickly, yeah. the sharp money bought Syracuse to about three, minus three. And then we started to see the buyback on Notre Dame. And this line, you know, as we record Thursday morning, is hovering in the two and a half range. I would imagine it closes somewhere around there. Because there does seem to be this battle, this push and pull between the sharp money, which kind of favors Notre Dame, and the market, which is kind of favoring Syracuse. And I think we're going to see some Syracuse love if this thing continues to stay beneath three. If it touches three... Notre Dame money will come right back in and probably knock it right back down. So you see that tug of war that shapes out. And anytime you have smart money that is on different sides of the market here in this particular case, it intrigues me. And when I look at Syracuse's defense, I mean, listen, this is a, this is an interesting stretch for Syracuse. I think maybe the game against Clemson, that might count as one and a half losses. And we say this a lot when you face Alabama, it's not, that game, but the next week also mm-hmm. plays a toll because of just how physical those games can be. And Syracuse, let's be honest, not exactly known for their physicality. So I'm curious how Syracuse comes out of this game physically. Can they stop the run? And I, I don't know if you heard this, but Sean Tucker kind of sounding off on social media after the game, a little bit upset that he only got five carries in the, in the loss to Clemson. 
and I think game script kind of dictated that. Maybe they were trying to set something up and, you know, the running game just wasn't there for Tucker. Well, let's be honest. I don't think Syracuse really had much of a chance to win that game. They were in it because Clemson turned it over four times. But, I, I, you know, that, that play on the goal line where, you know, DJU was going in for a touchdown. It ends up being the other end zone on a fumble return. So there was just some really fluky things that happened in that game. And I'm not very high on, on Syracuse at all. And we, you know, we yeah. faded him last week. And I, I think I'll fade him again this week. If you're going to give me three points with Notre Dame, I got it for a minute. I got a little nibble on Notre Dame plus three before it moved. And maybe it pops back up again in the market this weekend. Probably not. But it, to me, it's all about running the football. And Notre Dame able to run it, I think, with their offensive line. They're not explosive, but they're very consistent. And I think they're going to keep matriculating the ball down the field against a Syracuse defense that plays this weird 3-3-5 light box. Their defensive coordinator, Tony White, likes to make these exotic run blitzes. Well, it didn't work last week. Will Shipley had 172 yards and two touchdowns. I think Notre Dame can run the football here, and that's going to set up the play action with Drew Pine, who's been you know, bad for lack of a better word, but they still have Michael Mayer and they've got some dudes on the outside. I just, it feels like one of those spots where the market's telling me Notre Dame's the right side. Yeah. I like Notre Dame in this matchup. They've been inconsistent, obviously this season, but I thought DJ Uwe Ungalale was a Syracuse undercover double agent <laughs> last week, right? That was as phony of a close loss as you can yeah. get. It was just DJ Uwe was DJ ugh, last Ew. week and got replaced by Klubnik, and we all know what happened, but Syracuse was lucky to keep that game close. DJ, you fumbled inside Syracuse's five-yard line. It got brought back to the house for like 95 yards and a touchdown. That hardly ever happens. So yeah. I think Syracuse, Syracuse doesn't is overvalued. Cover if, if they they haven't played anybody before the Clemson game. And Notre Dame, even though they've been inconsistent, especially running the football, Syracuse's rush defense is one of the worst in the country. So I think if Notre Dame can run the ball effectively, yeah, I think they should win this game outright on the road. Yeah, I'm getting th- I'm getting points with the better with the better defense and what I perceive to be the much better running game. And to me, in what should be a lower scoring game, you know, where it's the total in like the in like the mid 50s, somewhere in that range. Um, it's a 47 and a half. Yeah. The, the, I, I, points are valuable in this game. So obviously three, huge. I don't think you're going to see a three. And if you do, you better run to the window and bet it. I would still take two and a half on a slightly less you know, scale. But I, 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 do, think, I do think Notre Dame is going to be able to run the ball here. And their offensive line, they have one of the better offensive lines for a team that isn't playing well. And that is intriguing to me. Again, this light box, they call it the mob. That's what Tony White, uh, you know, refers to his defensive scheme. And it, again, when you're going up against an offensive line that gets off the ball, that has size, that has skill, like Clemson does, it just, it, it doesn't fit. It's a bad scheme to stop the run. And, you know, styles make fights. If, if Clemson, you know, was going to throw the ball a bunch of times down the field last week, they probably wouldn't have had as much success. But running the football, it was left, right, and center for Will Shipley. So I, I just think that's Notre Dame's strategy. And to me, it's a strategy that is probably going to work. Nice. I hope so. I'm from South Bend, so go Irish. You don't say. <laughs> it's a, exactly. I will not uh, sugarcoat anything. So catch us on Saturday, Fox Sports Radio. Countdown to kickoff. Jared Smith from PicksWise.com. Our guy, Rich Ornberger, Penn State All-American. He does a tremendous job. I'm Brian No. We'll be with you three hours leading right up to kickoff. 
all across the country. So we'll just use Eastern time to make it easy. 9 a.m. until noon. Catch us on FSR. Earn a $50 bonus by signing into BetMGM and clicking on Refer a Friend to Invite a Friend. And in just a few simple steps, both you and your friend will receive a $50 bonus. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. All right, let's talk some NFL with our guy, Bill Krakenberger. He's from crackwins.com. He's a sports handicapper, and he's jaded. He's a sports handicapper who's winning. He's killing it this year, betting NFL games, yet he's still jaded. Why are you jaded here, Crack? Hey, uh, yeah, I'm still still got my hand in the cookie jar, though. Uh, I'm sure none of you guys know this. I really didn't tell you. I didn't tell Ryan, our producer. I flew here, like, spontaneously to the East Coast, I'm here for just 36 hours. I'm doing a quick turnaround, going right back. Literally came in on the red eye, leaving five in the morning on Saturday morning. Um, I, I, I just uh, there's some there's some bets to be made here uh, on the East Coast, and like I can't even make these bets at the border in in Arizona if I go over the border. So there's some bets they made, and I'm a lot of future over unders. You know what it is, uh, Brian? Like everyone sees and lives in the moment. So there's a lot of opportunities for going against the public sediment here. Um, they see teams and they want to bet these sports books. Now like the bet MGMs, like these sports books offer look ahead lines. They offer, uh, things like, will a team make a playoff? Will a team over under season wins still in progress season wins? Well, People, the public is very fickle. They only see good, positive things. And like, oh my God, of course the Giants are going to make the playoff. Oh, I got to lay three to one. I don't care. They're hot. They're good. But, you know, the, the, the under is probably the way to go there. Taking the under plus the 230, 240, uh, that they won't make the playoffs. Taking the, you know, almost two and a half to one. Of course, as you know, me and Jeff Schwartz have been uh, licking our wounds every week, betting against our going, well, not betting against. We, we have one bet, a season win bet against the Giants, which we're going to lose. But, however, I think now with 10.5 being the, uh, the, the adjusted over-under, wow, that's a big number. Um, but, anyway, as far as me being jaded, you know, even though I've had a winning season, it's the parity this year is so different than any other year. Now, I always say, like I say on our show, any given Sunday, anything can and will win. Well, just like this weekend, so you have Buffalo 11.5 over Green Bay. You have – uh, a couple other big, big favorites. Dallas, nine and a half solid over Chicago. Philadelphia, ten and a half over Pittsburgh. Four of these six big double digit dogs have won outright already this year. Just like this weekend. I mean, anything can happen. I, there's not a lot, a lot of interest me on, in, in me on any of the sides, but I'll tell you one thing. I would not be looking to lay any favorites, even though things should return to the mean a little bit. And, and maybe some of these double digit favorites historically that I've covered or that I've won just outright. Um, I wouldn't be looking to, to play these. Uh, I I've been lucky. I actually played a couple Tampa Bay games, man. I think I stole some money earlier in the season because the money lines weren't relative with the spread line. I think I got pretty lucky because Tampa Bay, just like green Bay have shown to us this year that they really were frauds. And, um, maybe that's a strong word. Um, and they, they both still can come around and both being a playoffs. I don't know if they get any deep or anything, but uh, it's one of those years, man. I'm, I'm looking to play totals. Yeah. I'm looking to bet some overs. Um, it, you know, these totals this year are, are approaching 60% on the unders. And um, I think the bookmakers finally adjusted enough where the overs have to come into play. But then again, 
Uh, we, we talked pre-break before the show. There's so many games. Washington Indy opened 41 and a half, 39 and a half. Giants opened 46 and a half, down to 44. Tennessee Houston opened 41 and a half, down to 40 at some shops. New England Jets, a full point down. I can go on and on. There's a, there's a lot of games that really took some under money here. And, uh, I think we're going to, uh, we, we got to return to the mean here a little bit. Meanwhile, the books are cleaning up. The books are killing it, beating the public. Whenever these big dogs win, the books just clean up. So I don't want to hear it when I start whacking them around in public here. <laughs> well, let's look at one of the totals that you like. Raiders against the Saints. The total yep. right now at BetMGM, 49 and a half. What are you thinking in this one here, Crack? I'm looking the first half again. Uh, as, as we see the trend continue year after year, it's a market that no one really looks at uh, the first half totals. Well, I, I like to bet overs. If I'm betting overs in the first in the game, I like to bet overs first half even more. Um, I think that they go all out first half. It's a pure number. It's not like if Vegas is up by double digits in the fourth quarter, they're going to be running the ball, and that therefore you know you may not get that that garbage touchdown even the other way. To, to, go, to let your game go over here. So um, looking at the over in the first half on Las Vegas, New Orleans, thinking that maybe New Orleans is going to light up the scoreboard here. Uh, this, is a, this is a pretty good bet. A couple different syndicate groups agreeing when we opened up 47.5, up to 50 at most of the major books. Yeah, some of these double-digit favorites haven't fared too well this year, Crack. <laughs> so we get a couple of them this week. I'll throw two of them at you. So Buffalo, 11.5-point favorites against the Packers. The Eagles, undefeated, 10.5-point favorites hosting the Steelers. Which dog, if you had to play one, do you like better? Do you like Pittsburgh catching 10.5, or do you like Green Bay catching 11.5? Boy, that's, that's, it's actually a tough one because I actually would lean to both of them. But if I had to force myself to, to bet one over the other, I think well, I would bet Pittsburgh. I think Philadelphia is, uh, is is due for a little bit of a letdown. I mean, they're home. Uh, Pittsburgh's also in, in in Pennsylvania. You may get some Steeler fans that are brave enough to, you know, go into uh, Philadelphia wearing a, a Pittsburgh uh, uniform or a Pittsburgh hat um, or jersey. So, but uh, I, I would probably lean to Pittsburgh on this one. It opened eleven is ten and a half, whereas Buffalo game. Open ten and a half and eleven, and it's up to eleven and a half. There's some, uh, believe it or not, some sharper money on Buffalo uh, this prime time game. But like I said, you guys all know this from this season. Anything can happen in the NFL. How about this too? If you look at the Jets and the Giants crack, we see their records. Right, Jets are five and two, Giants are six and one. But if you look at the the lines this week for their games. Look at the Jets. The Jets are two-and-a-half-point home underdogs against the Patriots, and we all know their quarterback questions. Who's going to play? Who's going to do what? They just got shellacked by the Bears. Yet the Jets are home underdogs, and you look at the Giants, they're a standard three-point underdog against Seattle. What do you think about what the market is saying, what the books are saying, Vegas is saying about the Jets and the Giants? Because – they couldn't scream any louder. We're not convinced either of these teams are the real deal. I'm not convinced either. Uh, and and the bookmaker has set the lines that they're not convinced. Uh, you know, New England and, and the Jets historically have had some really good matchups point spread-wise. 
the pre the pre look ahead line of this was like seven points. This is two and a half too. You know, we don't know what's going on in New England too. They 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 just don't know who who their starting quarterback is over there. Is it, is it Zappy? Is it is it Mac? I mean, no, no one knows anything here. So it's uh it's interesting situation here. This is that their home dog in this situation. It's a very low total. This is one of those games. If I'm looking to take the Jets, I'm looking to buy at the three. This 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 game can easily be decided about by a field goal, and you don't want to get caught short and uh, lose by half a point. I would lean to the Jets probably in this situation plus three. The Giants game, like I said, uh, I'm looking to bet them under for season wins. So uh, it, it's I, the Giants having a you know much better record. It looks like a better team on paper even, but um, they're not getting any, any respect from the linemaker. I'll ask you one more game. The Niners and the Rams catch my attention. The Rams, a home underdog, plus a point and a half right now on BetMGM. You saw Christian McCaffrey make his debut last week. Limited action, as expected, but both his rushing prop and his receiving prop went over. Might get a, a much bigger role this week against the Rams. What are your impressions on either Christian McCaffrey, what kind of game he might have, and the way the game might play out between the Niners and the Rams? And this is another one of those look-ahead lines that's way off. Rams were minus three on the look-ahead line, three and a half on one of the markets. And now here you have one and a half. It's talking about a five-point move. Uh, the Rams have shown that they're just not the Rams. Not, you know, listen, they weren't that great last year. Last year was, I mean, they, they were. I know they won a Super Bowl. I, 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 either team could have won that game. Um, they're just showing that they're not the Super Bowl team uh, this year either. And... Uh, uh, again, the parity we talked about earlier, anything can happen. The way this game will play out, well, I'll tell you, if anything, I would have to lean San Fran in this game. Uh, even though it is it is a pretty big move from the look-ahead line, I, I, I'm just really down on the Rams this year. And, and uh, even though they, they, they started out really bad and then, then they, uh, they looked a little bit better since then, but I, I'm looking for San Fran and, and I'm looking for maybe McCaffrey to be uh, – uh, you know, one of the stars on that, obviously on that team. I mean, this is this is a really good move for him, uh, really good move for the team. Uh, now they just have to play like the contenders that they're supposed to be. So we'll see what happens. You know, before we go, Crack, I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit. What your process is for player props? Because there are a lot of people that just think, oh, this guy's going over. Oh, this quarterback, he's going to go over his passing yardage. Oh, this running back, he's going to go over his running total right there. What is your process to determine whether you lean over or under on a prop bet. Well, you know, uh, this year is an unusual year. I'm like a seventy percent, seventy-five percent playing on unders on player props. This year, I'm literally more like, and not fifty-fifty, but I am playing more unders. But um, this year, a lot of these player props, we're coming up with a number that the book that you know we we actually put every single all our stuff is computer driven. It's analytical driven. Uh, my, our, our numbers that I have, my team, I have four guys that I work with. And this year is a very strange year, like I said, but we're killing it. We're, we're killing the, prop, the props this year. Um, I have to tell you, maybe the totals, because the totals have been lower and lower, um, I'm thinking that correlates with the lines on the player props being lower and lower. And we're, we're finding situations where the individual player props have dropped down like yardage ten to twelve to fifteen percent of what it did, what they did last year, but yet they're still achieving those same numbers. So 
I don't want to give away too much stuff and have someone uh, start reverse engineering what I'm saying. But um, and, and already my my my, uh, my my prop specialist who I work with every week will probably be saying, "What are you doing here?" But anyway, that that that's just one thing that I think is happening here. So um, what do I think? I think I'll start giving out some more unders though as the season goes on, which I've been successful for two decades plus betting since they've been up. Since player props have been coming up. This was only a Super Bowl thing, remember, years ago. Literally, it was only on a Super Bowl, on the Super Bowl. Then it became playoffs the Super Bowl. Now it's every single game with all these new sports books that entered the market. So uh, the public loves to bet overs on things, and I expect that eventually to come down and we'll start betting some unders and uh, going with the flow like, like the old days. Interesting, man. Hey, be sure to check out the new look and features in the BetMGM app. It's fast and easy access to the sports you love, whether it's live betting, the Daily Lions Boost, or the Cash Out feature, new users can use the code COUNTDOWN for a special offer. All right, catch us on Fox Sports Radio, three hours on Sunday leading up to kickoff. So actually this week we've got Denver at Jacksonville. We've got the London early kick time. That game will be going on during our show. So maybe watch some uh, London action, listen to us. We'll get you all set for the full Week 8 slate. It's on Fox Sports Radio, 10 a.m. until 1 p.m. Bill Krakenberger, as sharp as it gets, Jeff Schwartz, eight-year NFL veteran, and myself, Brian No. It's countdown to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio. Catch us this Sunday.